and welcome in Let's Go. It's the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Wobby. With me, as always, is Giles, and we are excited and ready to go because we have a victory to talk about and one of the NFL's top games of the week to talk about. The Vikings defeat the Panthers. They get victory number one. Up next, the red-hot Kansas City Chiefs, one of the best teams, the best team in the National Football League over the last six or seven years. Lots to get to. Giles is here to break it down with me as usual. Before we get into it, let's bring him in. Hey, bud, how's it going? Hey, hey, happy Thursday. Thank uh, you. One step Same closer to, to the best day of the week. Monday's almost here. Uh, Especially Monday when it's victory of- Monday. Exactly. You put the words in my mouth. Exactly. Uh, Really, really excited for this. Uh, Really excited to break down the Panthers game. Uh, Although there are a few uh, mistakes that happened on the field, I think the Vikings are showing that they are dominant in all the right places. Okay. I, Giles, I know you, and I have a feeling that the way the game went, the fact that it was the first win of the season... Who played well and who didn't within that win... And who is on tap? To me, this has a big, like, you're chock full of stuff this week, I think, Giles. I think you got stuff. I think you have bullets in the chamber here for the episode. Yeah? Am I right? Yeah, I knew it. I have a lot okay. of notes to go over. <laughs> all right. So we're, we're going to go over all of them. And this is going to be, like, last week, you know, we had the time and the capability to give you a breakdown of, of why the Vikings lost to the Chargers early in the week, and then we previewed the Panthers late in the week. And we, we may not have the time this week. So we're going to get everything into one episode here. We're going to touch on that win over Carolina a little bit because we don't want to waste a victory and not celebrate it. But we're going to really home in on and focus on the Chiefs too. So I'm excited to see where Giles takes us with the opinions and the PFF data. Um, and then I've got, obviously, um, some things I want to get to as well. So let's start, Giles, by taking a look at, at Carolina. I thought a fun thing to do, instead of going through the stats and everything that everyone else already has done and knows, um, let's talk about what we thought was a key moment in the game from our perspectives. And I'll begin, and perhaps we'll have the same one, and if that's the case, that's okay. Um, uh, and we can both talk about it a little bit. To me, the key moment came uh, late in the third quarter. Was yeah. that yours too? Uh, it was not actually. But okay, good. Yours. We got different yeah. ones. Okay. Yeah. So, late third quarter, Vikings are leading 13-7. to seven. Okay. Carolina, which had done nothing on offense all game, is actually driving into Vikings territory. It's second and 17 from the Vikings' 28-yard line. Harrison Smith comes on a blitz. Gets to the quarterback, strip sack. DJ Wanham picks it up. He runs 51 yards to the paint. And all of a sudden, the Vikings lead. It's Mm 14-13. I feel like up until that moment, Giles, it it had that ugly road loss feeling to it where the worst team was going to win the game. And it had that 0-4 look and feel and like a nightmare Monday morning where people are saying the season is over and how could we lose to Carolina and Adam Thielen got his revenge and now we got a tank. And um, that's how the game looked and felt. And I think Carolina was going in to score. I think it was Harrison who stripped it or maybe it was Hunter who stripped it um, on that one. Either way, it was Wanham who picked it up and went 51 yards. Yep. that turned the game around that gave the Vikings a lead and some breathing room. And I had no doubt about the outcome of the game from that moment on, even though we had a whole quarter to go to me, that was the key moment of the game. Um, and I think it's kind of cool 
that it was the Vikings who bailed the team out and helped get that first victory, um, mm-hmm. you know, and not Kirk Cousins on the offense, who for the balance of Cousins' time in Minnesota, he's been – the numbers have been great, and the offense has led the way. Um, it's kind of cool that to get that first win, to get off the schneid, it was uh, the defense making a huge play, and in particular Harrison Smith really showing up and, and making a big difference. So to me, that defensive touchdown was the key moment in the game for the Vikings. What was the key moment for you? Uh, I have a, a little different perspective here. Uh, it's related to the upside of the Vikings. I think mm-hmm. the biggest moment of the game was Kirk Cousins' pick in the end, uh, end of the first quarter. Oh, That okay. really set the tide for this game because uh, some people look at that and say, oh, Kirk Cousins is trash and you know, blah, 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 blah. And whether you like him or hate him, I think that really set the tone for this game because I think going into this game, I expected us to win this game handily. Uh, we were a better team in pretty much every category. We talked about it last week. And I think we should have won like 30 to 12 right now yeah. it was 21 to 13. So it was relatively close. I think having seen this game, had that not happened, I think we would have won 35 to maybe six, because if you yeah. remember correctly, the Panthers did not put a single offensive touchdown on the board. No. They got two field goals and a defensive touchdown. Right. right. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you would have done that, I think we could have won 35 to six. So I think uh, the fact that we yet again, put another, mistake on the board uh unfortunately that was more on kirk cousins as it was anybody else i think we would have won that game even more so and i think people would be looking at the vikings much differently because outside of that we played very very dominantly and it set the tone for the entire game people looked at it as an ugly win when really that set the tone for us uh like looking bad because we allowed them to put a touchdown on the board outside of that it would have been uh touted as one of the best defensive performances of this season yeah um and it would have been the best defensive performance of all of last season, or it was. You know, oh, if you yes. if you put the Carolina game into last year, that was the defense's best game, right? Yes. So that's that's 100%. the best we've seen the Vikings defense look in uh, two years. Um, okay, good. You know what? When, when that pick six happened, I'm like, yeah, that stinks. But there's no better time to have a pick six than like in the first quarter. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it, yep. it's. Especially when you're the fourth quarter. (laughs) Yes. Especially when you're the better team by a mile from a talent perspective, you've got plenty of time to overcome that. You obviously never want to see it and do it, but Mm -hmm. that to me was not a panic moment for the Vikings. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and they obviously uh, proved us right in, in, in that, with that notion. All right. Um, I went first last time you go first this time of the things that went well, and maybe you gave us a little bit of a, you foreshadowed this perhaps a little bit. Um, but of the things that went well for the Vikings on Sunday that led to victory, what was your favorite thing? What was the thing that was most heartwarming for you or more most momentous for you? What was the best sign for you of things that went well last Sunday? There's a lot of things to like, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, being completely realistic, looking at the stats and giving it the eye test of actually watching the game. Uh, but if I had to pick one specific thing, uh, it's got to be Josh Oliver. Uh, I talked Mm. about it all offseason that he was the best offseason addition. But I think this was a really big coming out party for him because although he's great in pass protection, he's good in receiving when he's utilized that way. He's phenomenal in the run game. There were quite a few plays throughout the course of the game that were successful simply because of Josh Oliver. Now, uh, for the through the first two games of the season, we did not do well against the run. And there was a variety of reasons that that was happening. But at the end of the day, against the Panthers on Sunday, we had a five point nine yards per rush attempt. 
Jeez. which is phenomenal. Before we were yeah. at 2.0. So we have tripled our yards per rush attempt, and I owe that a lot to Josh Oliver. Uh, according to PFF, he's actually uh, he was the, the best tight end on the field across all NFL sports on Sunday. Uh, just phenomenal. He's still, I believe, second overall throughout this season in terms of uh, t- tight ends in the PFF Jeez. world. So he yeah. is being phenomenal in every category. He's absolutely worth every penny we're paying for him. And I think if we're going to go make a deep run this season, Josh Oliver has a big contribution to play there. All right. That's awesome. You're making me want to look something up here on the fly, which I am going to do. Maybe you know this offhand. You probably do. What do you think his <laughs> snap count was? I, I got it right. I do have this here. Yeah. Yeah. He played 22 snaps on Sunday. I wonder if they're thinking about more snaps for him if he's playing that well. You know, I completely agree. I think they were going through a little bit of an identity crisis through the first two games uh, between 12 and 11 personnel. Um, you know, obviously you have Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne to filter in. Uh, but if you can run 12 personnel effectively when you have TJ Hawkinson and Josh Oliver both humming on on every cylinder, which they are, uh, we will get into the PFF grades here in a little bit. Josh, uh, TJ Hawkinson also did very, very well um, yep. in both run pass uh, blocking specifically and then receiving they're both in an elite category so I think you're absolutely onto something in the fact that we yeah. might be adjusting our game plan because I think that at at his core Kevin O'Connell is an, and, the, and the Vikings offense is an 11 personnel operation I you know I think that's what that's his like identity what he mm-hmm. wants to run if you if he had his druthers and you could he could handpick his team. He would mm-hmm. be an 11 personnel team. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he can't be that this year eventually. Like mm-hmm. if you, in a hypothetical situation in week 15 where the Vikings are peaking, they're making the playoffs or making a run at the playoffs and they're peaking, at, in that moment they could be an 11 personnel operation that's mm-hmm. scoring 30 points a game. Yep. But the way the NFL season works is it is it's a progression you know it's it's a it's its own life lifespan Mm -hmm. and your form in week one week two and week three is very very unlikely to be the form that you are in late in the season especially if you end up being a good team bill belichick often says the season does not start until thanksgiving right (laughs) and so if, I, if at Thanksgiving, you know, you're four and eight, your season's over. And, you know, even if you go undefeated the rest of the way, you haven't made the playoffs. But the, the goal is to be alive, you know, for as long as possible, obviously. And, yes. And if you can find your true identity and start clicking once we get into November and December, that's really where you want to be. So for now, the Vikings need to survive. And I think their best way to win games is what we're talking about. Josh Oliver, TJ Hawkinson, 12 personnel uh, from, you know, from, from time to time, maybe a little bit more than they're doing. And I get it that that's not where O'Connell wants to be late in the year. I get it that's not where O'Connell wants to be two years from now maybe. But for right now to stay alive and win games with the way Oliver's playing, based on what you're saying, Giles, I'd find a way to get him on the field. Now, there, there is a point of dimish, diminishing return with anyone, right, okay. where it's like, well, yeah, he's playing well because he's only out there 44% of the time, right? And if yep. he was out there 74% of the time, maybe he wouldn't be playing as well. I get mm-hmm. that. But maybe there's some middle ground there with where he's at now, 100% snap share, what is it? Forty-four percent snap, forty-six percent snap share. Maybe yep. there's somewhere in the middle that you can get to, to start generating some offense. Um, yep. So, you you have been a big Josh Oliver guy this whole time, and um, 
you know that opinion is bearing some fruit right now because he he is playing dynamite. And if you go back and watch the games, I encourage people to do that. The coaches tape or even the TV copy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not Justin Jefferson like the flashy touchdown scorer guy. Justin Jefferson basically wins every snap, every rep. If you just vacuum Justin Jefferson and whoever he's going against, he wins every snap. Yeah. And that's why he's one of the best players in the NFL. I mean, Josh Oliver does too. Yes. Yep. You know, in his so. lane, he is he is an elite tight end this year. He is being phenomenal. I think he's going to start. For what he's asked to do. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And I yeah. think uh, that translates into all the categories in which the Vikings are doing well. Uh-huh. Uh, just going through a, a few quick ones here. If you yeah. were to list the 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 top five teams in the league that are uh the best in passing touchdowns like obviously that's a piece of our offense if you had to think of the the top five teams in passing touchdowns who do you think they are hmm kansas city i'd put up there miami they're sixth yep okay miami is second okay chargers chargers are fifth okay vikings I would put the Vikings up there. The Vikings are number one in okay, passing yeah. touchdowns this season. Okay, yeah. Number I, one. Just I can phenomenal. see that. What's Cousins have? Nine? Yes. Nine, yeah. Or I'm sorry, 11. I'm sorry, 11. He's got 11. Uh, okay. He has 11. Yeah. We're currently 16th in total points scored. Unfortunately, we're last in rushing touchdowns, which is something we need to address and talk about a little bit later. But when it comes to passing, we are number one in the league. We have 11 passing touchdowns, which is phenomenal. It also shows that that's how we're trying to put points on the board. And when you look at the fact that we're 16th in total points scored, if you translate that in the context of turnovers, right? We've turned the ball over pretty much every first drive <laughs> throughout the season <laughs> yeah. in the first quarter. Uh, well, yeah. well uh, I'll, I'll even mention this right now. We are dead last in points scored in the first quarter. We've not scored a single point That's, in the first quarter this season. I can't believe that. Can you believe that? I'm, it's I just can't. phenomenal. I knew and, that you were chock full of stuff today, guys. Keep going. Yeah. I knew Oh, it. no, I'm just pumped about this because last <laughs> year we were one of the best teams in the red zone in first quarter points. We were just phenomenal. We were yeah. putting points on the board all over the board uh, when it comes to first quarter. This year, we're dead last. We have zero points on the board in the first quarter. That's However, crazy. we have gotten to the red zone every single first drive, or at least in the first quarter this season, right? And, yeah. and most of them have turned over, uh, it resulted in turnovers. If you were to translate those into actual touchdowns, we would be fourth in total points scored, right? So when you measure uh, process and production, right? Process-wise, we're getting to the end zone. It's yeah. just we're throwing way too many picks, fumbled the ball. If you remove those mistakes, we're fourth in points. Now, that's not, not meant to say you can take it all back, but we're actually a better team than maybe meets the eye. But you'd also be 4-0. Correct. I mean, I, I'm just yes. going to say. I mean, I, yeah. right? I mean. Yes ifs and butts were candy and nuts it'd be christmas all year long right i mean that's what they say so i get it they didn't happen so they're not yeah. 4-0 but your your point is well taken in that these uh, a lot of the mistakes are self-inflicted things um yeah. things we can turn around for the rest of the season if we fix those we're doing all right yeah you really mm-hmm. are so that's the reason for optimism that's the anti-tanking crowd is this this doesn't look like you know a denver broncos one and three Right. No, this is a different looking one and three. And maybe there are people in the Denver Broncos world who would say, hey, you know what? If we did this, this, this and that differently, we'd be I get that. And I'm not I'm not trying to trash on Denver. I'm just saying the Vikings have been a bit more impressive than some teams that have a better record than them. Um, yeah. And those and stats. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's different than like, oh, we, well, if we were able to rush the ball, then we could be better. Like, it's not like we're saying, yeah. hey, if we could do these things, we would be better. If you remove mistakes, which I think should be a relatively easy thing in the NFL, you're pr- playing professional sports, you have a great team. Remove mistakes, you're great. It's not like yep. you're saying, oh, if we have a better wide receiver, then we'd be great. Or if we yeah, had yeah. less injury, like like you have a great team, you're just self-inflicting it. So I think yep. those... those uh, are easy things to fix in contrast to other teams that are having deficiencies. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Let me get my favorite thing. Giles. Yes. Uh, was, um, Harrison Smith finding the fountain of youth. I mean, that was just yeah. my favorite part of the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and for me, it's a bit personal because I was, I was with him for, um, you know, from when he was drafted in 2012 th- till the time I left. Um, and I love the guy. He's a great guy. He's, um, everything you want out of someone on your team, out of a leader. 14 tackles, three sacks, uh, two TFLs, a forced fumble. Key moments, third downs, um, turnovers. He's involved in making plays. Um, the versatility um, that Brian Flores benefits from with Harrison Smith is incredible. And for a, a unit, of the Vikings defense is a unit that has gone through so much change. You know, um, and they've got a new leader in terms of a coordinator and play caller and Brian Flores. They've brought in guys like Byron Murphy Jr. Um, they've given Daniel Hunter money. Um, Jordan Hicks to me is like a guy in the middle of the defense who tries to be a leader and does a good job of that. So there's just a lot of um, change and. I think that performance by Harrison was like a brave heart moment for him. Like mm-hmm. I am him. Yep. You will follow me and we are going to win, you know, and he's at that point in his career where he's maybe lost a step from a true speed standpoint, mm-hmm. but he's still even Harrison Smith minus a step is better than everyone else. Full speed. And He's versatile and he's tough and gritty and he's a leader and he cares and he's steady Eddie. And like, it was just of such a pivotal moment, I think for the Vikings, for Harrison Smith to play that way and to win the game. I think it sets the tone from a leadership and a, an attitude standpoint for the Vikings going forward. And what better time with the chiefs coming to town. So my favorite part about the win was the Harrison Smith aspect of it. He completely proved that, there was a justified reason to bring him back. He's the yeah. Harrison Smith of old. Yeah, he, he he is the Harrison Smith of old. He is Braveheart, and the Vikings can follow Harrison Smith on defense the rest of the year and feel just fine. Yeah. Um, so um, with that, let's get into the PFF stuff. We always like to guess top and bottom and who did well and who didn't, and everyone's got opinions based on the box score and based on watching it of who played well, but then the PFF stuff gives us that sort of qualitative uh quantitative balance that we always look for so from a pff standpoint guys give us some give us the goods let's kick things off on offense uh any standouts on your end any people that you think were in the top five according to pff things you liked well i know oliver's in there based on what you said so we'll put him up there the others i had were derisaw jefferson acres and o'neill Oh boy, you're so close. O'Neal was just outside the top five at six. Okay. He had a 77.6 grade. He yep. did phenomenally in run and pass. I mean, he's he's Brian O'Neill. He's a stud. He's one of the best yep. tackles in the league. I think he's currently listed as the eighth best tackle in the entire NFL through four games. Nice. Just phenomenal. Uh, Josh Oliver, 
is number yep. one. Uh, he came in okay. at a 91.0. Uh, he had a little bit of a struggle in a few snaps against uh, some pass blocking reps, but outside of that, he was elite in every category, like we talked about before. He is the best offseason addition, period, full stop. Um, yep. You have Justin Jefferson. He came up, uh, came up at two. He had an 88.9 grade. He's Justin Jefferson. He's, a, yep. he's the dude. Uh, played, I believe almost every snap. I think there was one snap he wasn't on the field, but he played 47 snaps. It's, I mean, he's Justin Jefferson. He's the best non-quarterback in the league, period. Full stop. I, I think he got dinged. I think he was a little, I think he was dealing with like, I think he got the wind knocked out of him or something. That's why he yes. missed a snap. Yeah. Yeah, I got like a cramp or something. Or a cramp. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Because uh, he just took a, a water bottle after that. Uh, yeah, I, my my breath stopped the moment he was down the ground. I'm like, oh no, that that's a season wrecker if he goes down. So definitely it is. glad that he's good. It was it was on like a wide receiver screen, Giles, where he got popped pretty good. And yeah, but yep. okay, exactly. Uh, Christian Derisaw came on uh, at third. What a stud! He had an 88.3 grade. I mean. I've said it before. I think he's the best left tackle in the game. And I mean that with all due respect to Trent Williams over there from the Niners. I say that because Christian Derrissaw is on a rookie scale contract. That's the yep. only reason I give him an edge the over nod, Trent Williams. Yeah. But those guys are both studs at their position. He's the exact kind of guy I want protecting my, my quarterback. So glad that we have him at the number three position. And then uh, Cam Akers was fifth. He did phenomenally against the Panthers. This guy, I mean, he had 8.0 uh, yards per rush attempt on Sunday. So Eight yards. To, yep. So to me, Giles, this is um, – I put Akers in, that, in my list of guesses of who's in the top five, and mm -hmm. he almost was the first one I thought of. Yep. And it's because I watched the game and then I watched it again, and – he looks comfortable mm -hmm. like he he knows what he's doing here i know he just mm -hmm. joined the team but he's joining an offense he's played in for the last three years exactly like he knows it i and in some respects he's more comfortable in it than madison might be yep. it's madison's first year as a starter he's been in it for only two years acres been in it for more time he's been a starter in it for more time it looks familiar it looks like acres is driving his own car when he's mm -hmm. when he's playing i mean it was yep. smooth man it looked really good and I think uh, to, to add to that, I think that Cam Akers is going to be slowly, if not quickly, transitioning to RB1 for the rest of the season, minus injury. Not only because he's phenomenal at running and he had a better performance than Alexander Madison, all due, due respect to Madison. One area that Cam Akers is clearly superior in is pass blocking. Alexander Madison has struggled against pass protection when they're running play action, and Cam Akers did phenomenally. I believe he had a 76th yeah. grade PFF-wise in pass blocking. So if you're trying to run play action a lot more, which is one of Kirk's biggest strengths, Cam Akers is your dude. Okay. Uh, and then coming in at four was TJ Hawkinson, had an 81.5 oh, grade. He's okay. stud. He's the reason we paid him all the money. So uh, I, I left had a phenomenal him out. top five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I left him out. So I didn't have Hawkinson, right? I had O'Neal instead of Hawkinson. Their grades were pretty similar. Both played well. Okay. Yeah, cool. exactly. Yep. Uh, and then just a few quick mentions. Jordan Addison did not have a good game. Ooh. He only got, I believe, one target. So I don't know what's going on or if that was like a, hey, let's have him over here to try to take away the defense or something. It was a very unusual performance by Jordan. So hopefully he can pop back against the Chiefs uh, because that's definitely an area that we need the counterpunch. So I didn't like Osborne um, either. 
Uh, he also was in the bottom five. He had a 57.9 yeah. grade. Uh, yeah. I think the only reason that KJ Osborne hasn't been superseded by Jordan Addison thus far in the season is that Jordan Addison is not really great at run blocking just because he's such a small guy. And uh, KJ Osborne is not great, but he's better than Jordan Addison. So yeah. if if we can figure out a way around that, if you run more 12 personnel, then run blocking isn't as necessary for someone like Jordan Addison and being more illusionary. So I think... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what we do for the next but, year for a few weeks. But he's got. But Addison's got to get better at that, Giles, because if he's not better at that, and you're like, it's fine. He's a pass catcher. We'll just use him in eleven personnel situations. Teams are smart. They're going to figure that out, and they're going to know if Addison's on the field, you're not running it. And that exactly. half half the battle is knowing if it's a run or a pass on this down. And if you're giving the other team half the battle without contest, you're at a big disadvantage. So Addison has to get better at that. Otherwise, it's going to put O'Connell in a position to be predictable or not use him at all. Yep. 100%. And he's going to choose to not use him at all over yep. being predictable. Yep, exactly. So that's the offense. Uh, moving on to defense. Any particular highlights you think uh, the Vikings had top five? I'm going to put Harry in there. He's got to be in there, right? He's number two. He came in at a 78.3 grade. He was a stud in every single category. Yeah, I mean, so. especially when you have three sacks, you're going to make your way to the top of the board. Wanham? He was number one. He had an 81.5 yeah. grade, and mm -hmm. he had a 91.2 grade in coverage. Although he only played like five or six coverage snaps, he was playing great across the board, nice. um, which I have a, a thought on why, but I'll let you finish. Okay, Blackman? Uh, Blackman was top 10. Uh, he did come in at a oh. 68 grade. Uh, he played 21 snaps. He did very, very well. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say very, very well, but he did uh, pretty decent considering that he wasn't a starting cornerback. And then my last two are tried and true for me for my list. They, they, they just must look good to my eye. You know, they just must fit my eye. But the last two are Metellus and Hicks for me. I thought they both looked good. Josh Metellus is number five. He came in at a 72.9 yeah. grade. And the ironic part is this is maybe his worst game of the season, and he still did very well. Uh, wow, he's a great yep. run defender. Uh, he struggled on a few snaps in coverage, uh, but outside of that, he's still a solid player. He's still coming to top five. And then uh, Jordan Hicks was seventh. He came in at a 69.0 ah. grade, okay. uh, still proving out that he is one of the best run, middle, or run defending middle linebackers in the entire NFL. He came in at an 86.4 grade against the run. He's, he's a guy that's quite stout in that regard. So All right. glad to have him on the team. So um, who am I missing? So coming in at three was Jonathan Bullard with a 73.7 grade. He had a great day up front. Uh, he didn't start the game, and he did have, I believe, 31 snaps. So he didn't play all the snaps. But, uh, yeah, I mean, great to have a little bit more performance up front because I was at lacking up until this point. Um, so glad, glad to see a, a good big boy have a good game. And then number four is a guy that we've been waiting all season for, Marcus Davenport. He oh. made it onto the field finally That's and achieved good. a 73.4 grade. Uh, considering that he had half a sack last year, he already has more sacks than he did the entire last year. And I think it's important to note that I think the addition of a, a premier pass rusher on the other side really has generated a lot more pressure across the board. I think that was a big reason Harrison Smith was able to come outside is because we, we were able to take up the rest of the offensive line with our two uh, really good edge rushers. So I nice. think uh, it's great to see Marcus Davenport healthy. Nice. Okay, cool. And then uh, one uh, notable thing, uh, much like on the offense, we had a, a really good performing player hit the bottom. 
Ivan Pace Jr. had a pretty uh, mm-hmm. horrible day. He I don't think he looked good. 59.4 grade. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think his size maybe caught up to him a little bit. The thing is, he's a quite a stout, small guy. He's very, very strong, uh, but not have did not have a good game. He was uh, pretty bad against the run. He missed a lot of tackles. Uh, pass rush was not good. So they were able to, to figure him out uh, against the Panthers. So hopefully we can uh, figure out how they figured it out and counterpunch that when it comes to the Chiefs. I think for folks who maybe noticed that pace played really well in the in camp in the preseason and had high expectations for him and they're wondering what's going on and how do you watch a game and decide if someone's playing well or not who doesn't touch the ball Ivan Pace plays a position where if you're watching the game on TV you should see him a lot he should be around the ball he should be making the tackle or he should be knifing into the backfield and disrupting a play so someone else can make a tackle. He should be around the ball a bunch. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he gets washed out of plays. Um, and yeah. so if, you, like, if you're not seeing a corner very much, on, if you're watching a game on TV and you just don't see Byron Murphy much or you don't see Blackman much, that's probably good because mm-hmm. it means they're covering their guy well enough that the quarterback's not throwing it to him so he's not on TV, right? Because the yep. the camera follows the ball. For mm-hmm. for linebackers, y- you you want to see the linebacker on TV a lot because that means the linebackers around the ball making a play, and right. you don't see you didn't see pace on TV very much uh, against Carolina, and that's because he wasn't around the ball because he was getting blocked. That that's yep. that's sort of a way to um, watch the game, uh, the game within the game. Linebackers, mm-hmm. you don't see him on TV very much. They're not playing well. I completely agree. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have a third uh, middle linebacker that I think is competent, uh, unfortunately to say, because Brian Osimo only got two snaps again. I know. He clearly know. has not become what we thought he could be based on last season. So that's unfortunate to see. But hopefully we can get Ivan Pace yeah. back into true form where he was uh, last game trying to figure a way to, to play a chess match in terms of scheme. Yep. All righty. Um, Anything else you want to get to from the Carolina game? Otherwise, I'm going to transition us to uh, what's coming up on Sunday. Um, one additional thing to note, yeah. we'll see if it carries over to the Chiefs game, is that it looks like Dean Lowry got benched as a starter for ah. Jacqueline Roy. Now, Jacqueline Roy didn't Fine have a great it. game. Uh, I will say he, he ended the day with a 60.3 grade, which was only steps above Dean Lowry's performance with uh, a non-starter element. Uh, but I don't know if they're going to try to mix uh, to Roy into the, into the fold. So Dean Lowry has maybe lost his starter job. You know, uh, I don't wish any ill will against Dean Lowry at all, uh, but I think if he is going to be benched because someone else is showing enough to play that's good for the vikings i agree um if he's being benched because he's terrible but but they don't have anyone to put in there that's that's not good so you want the grade to get up for roy you want that to be a better grade next week if he plays the snaps that dean lowry should have had could not agree more yeah okay Alrighty, uh, that'll be something interesting to watch uh, along with the Asamoa snap count because um, I don't know if he's in the doghouse for missing camp or if he's yep. just not as good as we thought he was going to be or what the deal is because it's not like Pace is just playing out of his mind and keeping Asamoa down. Pace ain't, isn't playing that great either, so there's plenty yep. of opportunity for Asamoa to get some snaps, so I think that yep. bears monitoring as well. Yep. Um, all right, let, let's let's move on to Sunday, Giles. Um, let's do it. 
Chiefs Vikings, 325 Central Time kickoff at U.S. Bank Stadium. The game will be on CBS for those who will watch it on TV. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson will have the call. So it's CBS's number one game. Um, obviously, um, a lot of eyeballs will be on this one. It's got to be 70 or 80% of the country that will get this game. I saw the broadcast map earlier in the week. Um, so a lot of eyeballs on this one. It's going to have a big game feel to it. There's going to be buzz in the stadium, lots of stars on hand, including maybe Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. um, can't, I mean, no one can do any football programming these days without mentioning her. Um, <laughs> Kansas City installed as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know what it is currently, but it was. It opened at five-and-a-half. Over-under is high at 52-and-a-half. Uh, the Chiefs come in at 3-1, and one, Giles. They had an upset loss to Detroit to start the season um, in a game that Travis Kelsey did not play. They've rattled off three straight wins since then, including a rough-and-tumble road win last week against the Jets, a game I saw every snap of. Um, Mahomes to Kelsey looks lethal as ever. Isaiah Pacheco coming off the best game of his season, maybe of his career. Uh, he had 115 yards rushing and a touchdown. He had he touched the ball 23 times, generated over 160 yards of offense. Um, Steve Spagnolo is the Chiefs defensive coordinator, known for exotic, aggressive schemes, mm-hmm. and has a license to do some things that other coordinators don't really get to do because he's very often playing with a lead because he's got Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid. So. Uh, the Chiefs' defense right now is eighth in total defense. That's yards allowed. They're also eighth in passing defense. Um, they only allow 190 passing yards per game. This is the fifth best scoring defense at 15 points per game. Um, and uh, it's the head coach is Andy Reid, who's uh, one of the best in NFL history. The Chiefs have won the division seven straight years. They've been to three straight Super Bowls. Um, I feel like I know Andy Reid. Without knowing him, I know him because um, when I started with the Vikings, it was Mike Tice's last year. Brad Childress came in. He was on Andy Reid's staff. So a lot of Andy Reid's staffers wound up in Minnesota. So the way Brad did it was the way Andy did it. And the way Leslie Frazier did it when Brad left is the way Brad did it, which was the way Andy did it. So I've got some familiarity, I think, um, and great respect, obviously, for Andy Reid. So um really cool really big really important matchup for the vikings here as they play what has been the nfl's best franchise and team over the last decade or so in the kansas city chiefs um any thoughts on the matchup um and i want to begin with things that might concern you about this matchup giles things that might concern me here uh well, I think it's pretty obvious uh, on both sides of the ball. If we start with the defense, mm-hmm. Chris Jones is a dude. Yep, uh, you're that right. guy has some pretty phenomenal uh, pushing powers to get up the middle in an yep. area that we maybe struggle with in terms of interior offensive line play. Uh, yep. Currently, Chris Jones is the fourth best defensive interior guy in the NFL out of 129 qualified interior defensive tackles. He's fourth. Yep. He had a 90.7 grade thus far, and he didn't even play his first game because uh, of contract issues. So I think that is going to be one area that we're going to have to be really mighty stout. Um, now, I think it is important to note, putting a little uh, optimism on the spin here, so far this season, where would you rank the Vikings' offensive line in terms of pass blocking? Just guess. Um, I actually think that Cousins take some sacks that are on him and not the offensive line. I would put um, eighth or seventh. We sixth. are fourthiest this year. Fourth. We're top five. We're fourth in pass blocking. 
for our offensive line. Isn't that incredible? Pretty good. That's pretty I good. I never oh, yeah. thought that going into it. I'm like, oh, well, like we're not we're not a train wreck, but I didn't think we'd be fourth. So uh, yeah. I think that's something to be excited about when it when it comes up to, to going against Chris Jones. I mean, you'd absolutely would have taken that at the beginning of the year. I would have taken ninth. Oh my you know, yeah. <laughs> seriously, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and we happen to be second best in run blocking. So, yeah. I mean, according to those, you could make an argument that we're a top five offensive line. Yeah. Like okay. now, I, I think there's areas that we need to improve upon. I think Ed Ingram, he has taken a step forward with uh, Dalton Reisner being in the building. Clearly, there's some motivation there. Uh, <laughs> but I think there is still another level to this offensive line play, especially if it can come out against uh, you know Mr. Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Chris Jones is a superstar. He's he might not be a household name for everybody because he plays a tackle that doesn't get a lot of pub but Chris Jones is an absolute beast. I mean, yep. he is best in uh, class. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Other more you could Other than Aaron Donald, I think I'd pick him as my my favorite pick for an interior yeah. defensive lineman. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that concerns me too. Chris Jones is a concern. It's a it's a complete mismatch in favor of the Chiefs in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's a good one. Um and he a player like him, Giles, allows Spagnolo even more creative license to do stuff. Because he yep. just knows he's going to win that. Like, he doesn't yep. have to scheme to win in the middle. He's, he's yep. going to win in the middle with Chris Jones. He's got that. That can allow Spags to focus on other areas. Um, I think it's my, also important to note quickly there, yeah. uh, the Chiefs also run NASCAR packages quite a bit. So mm-hmm. if you put Karloftis in the interior and, and do a NASCAR package against our guards, Jones could be going up against O'Neal or Derrissaw. Which could be an interesting thing. I if they love that. In this game. I love that matchup. Ooh, that's a yeah. good one. That that's a that's something to watch in the game, Giles. Nice yes. one. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Because uh, you can see that on TV. If you're watching the game at home on TV, that's something you can watch. Yeah. It's really hard to watch, like you know Xavier Rhodes versus Odell Beckham Jr. Can't wait to watch that, right? Like, well, yeah. if you're if you're at the game, you can watch that. If you're on TV, you're not going to see that, right? Yeah, so exactly. All, every snap. Yeah. Um, my concern and and. We're going to get into this in the five keys, too, um, is Mahomes extending plays Mm -hmm. because this offense is so hard to defend. There are going to be reps, snaps, where the Vikings defense does a good job of coverage on Kelsey, of coverage on Scantling, um, and they pressure Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And then Mahomes wiggles out of it gets outside the pocket, makes a throw downfield, or gets outside the pocket and runs for a first down. So on the few times when you do everything right and you might get them off schedule and behind the chains, and then Mahomes extends the play and makes a play on it, it's a backbreaker, man. And it can it can be demoralizing, and it can extend drives, and I'm concerned about that here. I I'm very curious to see what – Brian Flores does from an adjustment standpoint is he going to play more zone is he going to spy is he going to change something he typically likes to do to account for the Mahomes extending plays thing Mahomes is not a running quarterback in the sense of you know they're going to run a bunch of option read zone read with him and he's Michael Vick or he's someone like that uh he's mobile in that he's smart in the pocket and and he's a lot like Aaron Rodgers is or was where when he's outside the pocket he's still looking to throw mm-hmm. it's hard enough to guard travis kelsey for four seconds if you got to guard him for eight seconds because mahomes got outside the pocket it, i mean you're dead so i'm concerned about that i could not agree more uh i think uh 
Yeah, that, that's just simply the the big X factor in this entire game of who wins. Period. Yeah. If we can, yeah. if the Vikings can handle that, I think uh, then we'll be all right. But if we if we screw that up, I think there's going to be issues. Yep, me too. Um, okay, so what do we like in the matchup, Giles? Um, let's let's go there. If you right. if you don't mind, I'll go first here. Um, all right, go for it. I like the momentum. The energy. I like the direction of the energy for the Vikings because I think it's going the right way for Minnesota, and I question where it's going for Kansas City. Explanation for that is as follows. Last week, the Vikings won a game in Carolina that wasn't like a nail-biter like last second where you're emotionally really high Mm -hmm. and you can't go anywhere but come down. Last week's win was momentous. It was a building block. It was like we won that game, and on offense, the offense is sitting there being like, we didn't deserve to win that game. We owe the defense one, right? And the defense is like everyone's been ripping on us for all offseason all of last year, and we finally won a game for the team, and we showed them we're going to do it again, and Harrison Smith is Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Like, so I love the, the energy, and then they're coming back home. So I love where it's going for Minnesota. The Chiefs, they they played the Jets last week and got a win, and it's a great win for them because they didn't play pretty and they won the game, just like the Vikings offense last week. Mm-hmm. But the Jets' defense is so good. I mean, So good. <laughs> and they beat the crap out of you when you play them. It's like San Francisco last year. There was that crazy stat where teams that played San Francisco lost – the next week every team that played san francisco last year lost the next week yep okay that's the type of attrition that the jets defense will have on teams this year yep. i believe and that's what kansas city is coming off of yep. and i think they've been on a, an emotional high the last two weeks like the whole taylor swift thing i know it's a joke but like that was that just took the league by storm two weeks ago it continued last week it was a primetime game in new york there the chiefs got beat up in that game even though they won and now they're on the road again. So I don't like where that's going for Kansas City. I think that's a negative. And I'm not I'm not saying Andy Reid can't figure that out and Patrick Mahomes can't overcome that. I'm not saying they're screwed and they're dead and the Vikings are going to win by 20. I'm just saying in the little tiny corner of this matchup where you talk about momentum, energy, uh, stamina, fatigue, all of that I think favors the Vikings. So I like that about this matchup. Yeah, I think that's important to note. And uh, additionally, to your point, Robert Sala, the head coach for the Jets, yeah. came from the 49ers. So that's in the 49ers ah, good uh, call. family yeah. tree of beating teams up so they can't win next week. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so uh, I'm glad that we don't have to play them uh, until, uh, what, two weeks from now? So yep. uh, we'll see how that goes. But yep. uh, moving on to my thoughts, I think one of the biggest areas that I'm most excited about is our matchups between our secondary and the Mm -hmm. Chiefs wide receiver group. Now, I never thought I would say that because last year we were basically last in secondary play. But this year we're sixth in coverage. We have one of the best secondaries in the NFL that's almost top five, I think largely due to our safety group, which I think uh, between uh, how our linebackers have usually played, if Ivan Pace Jr. can get back into true form, Bynum's been playing well, Smith's been playing well, Hicks has been playing well, Ivan Pace Jr. has been playing well. I think that's going to be what's going to be key to be stopping uh, Travis Kelsey here. When it comes to the other wide receivers, they've had pretty abysmal play. They don't have a clear wide receiver one yeah. versus last year when they had, um, uh, who was their number one re- wide receiver last year? Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster? Uh, uh, yes, Juju. He mm-hmm. was at least 
a somewhat clear wide receiver one. They don't have it this year. They have Sky Moore. He's been pretty abysmal. Watson has not been playing well. Valdez Scatling has not been playing well. So I think our secondary can simply put a, a stop or at least slow them down. Now, I think Mahomes is good enough to elevate all those guys into at least a productive place, but I think we're going to be able to slow them down. So I'm really excited that that matchup will really favor the Vikings. Um, so really, really excited to see you know how that will really play out. Um, additionally, once again, our offensive line has actually been playing pretty well. Really excited to see that. Um, and then uh, thirdly, because I couldn't pick just one, uh, <laughs> the, the Chiefs secondary... <laughs> Trent yeah. McDuffie, uh, he is one of the best cornerbacks in the league right now, but they don't shadow. They do not follow players around the, the right. field. So I think we're going to be able to out-scheme Justin Jefferson and Trent McDuffie to put him into a, a valuable spot to punish them. Because I don't yeah. think they can stop Justin Jefferson if they're not going to follow. Now, maybe they, mm -hmm. they abandon ship in terms of how they usually do things, but I think Justin Jefferson is going to have himself a day. Nice. Very cool. Yep. Okay. That's awesome. Um, Kadarius Tony is another receiver there, Giles, that hasn't been playing great, who's got a lot of potential uh, but yep. isn't. And then Rasheed yep. Rice is another receiver for the Chiefs. Now, Rice is a rookie out of SMU. Yep. Um, and he had a drop last week, and I think he had a drop in week one, too. I really like him, though. I don't think mm -hmm. he's going to make a huge impact this year, but mm -hmm. Rasheed Rice is definitely a player to watch down the road for Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see if he flashes at all uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. You and I will be there, so we'll get to see it with our own two eyes. But um, yeah, yeah. interesting um, positive aspect of this matchup for the Vikings in the, uh, on the outside with corners and receivers on both sides of the ball. Very cool. Um, all right. Uh, five keys to victory for the Minnesota Vikings. Their matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs is coming up on Sunday, 325 at U.S. Bank Stadium. Giles and I are here to provide five keys to victory, a five-item to-do list, if you will, for the Vikings to find win number two in 2023. I'll hand it off to you, Giles, for key number one on Sunday against the Chiefs. The number one key to victory for the Minnesota Vikings here is to remember that early birds get the worm. Uh -huh. I think uh, we mentioned it before. The Minnesota Vikings are dead last in first quarter points in the 2023 season. We simply need to put a stop to that. We need to get back into true form and put points on the board in the first quarter, especially against Patrick Mahomes. You are simply going to have to outscore the Kansas City Chiefs, period, full stop. You got to put points on the board. You got to stop turning the ball over, throwing interceptions in the red zone. We simply need to put points on the board. Point well taken. Key number two, to-do item list number two, to find victory against the Chiefs on Sunday, slow down Isaiah Pacheco. Now, when you think Kansas City Chiefs and all the names they have, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Taylor Swift, you don't think <laughs> of Isaiah Pacheco. But I'm telling you, He's coming off his best game in a really long time against a really good Jets defense last year. He generated over 150 yards of offense and a touchdown on a bunch of carries. It is hard enough to guard this Chiefs defense and slow it down. If they are truly balanced with a good running game and Pacheco is a factor, it's dang near impossible to stop them. Now, the Jets did a good job of it, but the Jets defense is elite. They have elite players everywhere. The Vikings... Defense is coming off a great performance, but they're not to the caliber of the Jets' defense. Isaiah Pacheco must be contained, and that must be priority number one for the Vikings' defense because if they can't do that, they can't do anything else. Could not agree more, and I think Pacheco's on pace for 1,200 yards this season. So yeah. considering where he was taken and his introduction into a passing offense, he's doing very well. Yep. Moving on to the third key to victory for the Minnesota Vikings, 
don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Now, that sounds counterintuitive because Brian Flores is inherently a blitz-happy person. Yeah. It's how we identify as an offense. However, when I've talked to Kansas City Chiefs fans, when I've uh, watched a lot of their tape, Patrick Mahomes arguably does his best when he's blitzed. He is a guy that will punish you if you blitz too much. So I think we're going to have to be able to balance that correctly and make sure that our, our secondary can hold up. If we can blitz uh, less often and put pressure still on without sending every single guy to the house, I think we really need to be careful about how we blitz Patrick Mahomes. Yep, well said. Uh, key number four for the Vikings on Sunday against the Chiefs, touchdowns, not field goals. I'm all for salvaging drives and getting points on the board, Giles. Um, Points are a premium in the NFL, and you need points to win. But against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you need touchdowns to win. If you're in the red zone, if it's fourth and short, you need to go for the jugular, and you need to get the ball in the end zone. You are not going to beat Kansas City by tacking on field goal after field goal after field goal. The team with the most field goals on Sunday will lose the game. Score touchdowns, be aggressive, beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Moving on to the fourth key to victory is that you simply have to back it up. You got to talk the talk. I think Byron yeah. Murphy Jr. came out this week talking a lot of smack about Kelsey, how he was going to get in his face and get him all riled up. Go back it up because I think, you know, the Minnesota Vikings have a lot of strengths, but one of their potential weaknesses is that we can sometimes be an emotional team where if we talk a lot of that smack mm -hmm. and then we get punched in the mouth, we need to be able to respond to that. We can mm -hmm. we cannot talk that smack and then get punched in the mouth and go down and and go between the tail and our between our legs. We yep. simply need a punch back. So uh, we need to put the 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 method where the madness is and uh, go take it out. All right. So can the Vikings do those five things, Giles? That's the question. Um, and we're going to find out on Sunday when they square off against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's time for predictions. Uh, we've talked through some matchups that we like and we don't like. We've gone through the five keys. We've broken down what happened last week against Carolina. What do you think it for Sunday? Um, you know, I think I'm anticipating a really raucous atmosphere. Um, the market for tickets is absolutely through the roof people who i know who are typically who you go to to get tickets are asking me if i've got tickets like <laughs> people want to be in here kansas yep. city typically travels well minnesota typically is very good at home from a noise energy crowd standpoint so i can't wait to see that like that matchup the crowd matchup um i think the energy is going to be great there's going to be a buzz pregame there's a lot of stars in the building there's a lot of good players there's and stars in the building, I, I truly mean like the players, like, like Harrison Smith coming off a great game, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. I mean, this is a great – CBS is there, man. This is their number yep. one crew. I heard Wadi um, might be there. Yeah. Ah, he might be, yes. Yeah, he might be there um, after his daughter's soccer game. Um, so <laughs> uh, priorities, right? So uh, I'll, I'll hit I'll hit game, uh, game number one will be a, a soccer game. Game number two will be an NFL game for me. So – what do you think, man? Um, to me, this was a hard one to wrap my arms around and get a score prediction on. The spread's five and a half. The point total's 52 and a half. Um, I, I don't think it's going to get up to 52 and a half. Um, really? I, okay. I don't. I don't think it's quite going to get there. Maybe I'm, gonna, maybe I'm dead wrong and it's going to be 60 plus. I don't know. But tell me what you're thinking here and give me a prediction. So call me a homer here. 
but mm-hmm. I think this is going to be another track meet, uh, similar to where I thought the Chargers were going to go. I think this is going to be a 38 to 35 win Ooh. against the Kansas City Chiefs. Love I it. really do. It's going to be a squeaker. It's going to go right down to the line. But I think the Vikings have what it takes to get it over the line. I love it. What are you thinking for the like? Is it your pass? The Vikings are passing all over the Chiefs' defense. Is that what you yes. think it is? Okay, hundred uh, percent. And I think uh, there'll be a little bit of running here. I think uh, Cam Akers is also going to show up a little bit. But I think this is going to be haymakers all over the field. All right. I I don't want anyone to get mad at me, man, and I I don't want to harsh you mellow at all. Um, a take is I, a take. Go for it. I I love where the energy is. You know, going back to what I loved about this matchup, like. I think in this spot the Vikings are what they would call a live underdog. They're 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 a home underdog coming off a win on the road against a Chiefs team that emotionally has been on a high the last two weeks. So this is a spot for sure from a gambling standpoint to take the Vikings. Especially if it stays up at five or five and a half. This is a close game to me. Mm-hmm. But the the Patrick Mahomes in a clutch moment finding Travis Kelsey picking up first downs and finding a way to get in the end zone, um, I think is going to put them over the top here, and I think there are going to be moments where it's like it's fourth and three for the Vikings on like the twenty eight yard line and they're going to kick a field goal and I think it's going to come back to bite them. Like, That's fair. Like you got to go for that in this game. You have to. I'm not saying it's fourth and eleven on uh, at midfield, and you got to go for it. I get that. You want to punt and pin him back. Kevin O'Connell has to be aggressive in some spots here because field goals will will not do it. So I have 27, 25 Chiefs. I, I think it's a close game. It's one of those one score games that the Vikings don't win. Um, I think it's right there at 50, 50, 51, 52, whatever. Um, but I just I see the Chiefs coming out on top on this one, and I'm very disappointed to say that. And obviously, it's not what I'm rooting for. And I love your take on it. And for our sakes, Giles, because we're gonna be there. I hope that's how it goes, man. Because that would be fun. And you know who yeah. else hopes it goes that way? CBS. Thirty-eight, thirty-five. <laughs> CBS. Jim Nance, Tony Romo. They would love that, man. Let's give Taylor Swift a good game to watch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have? Is she coming? That is the rumor on the street. Now, I mean, it is a rumor, but uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled. I'll bring uh, binoculars. Okay. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. Where I wonder, I don't even know what suite they would put her in. There's, I mean, there's suites that wrap around like the whole stadium. So uh, yep. everyone will be on Taylor Watch, man. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Now, were you in the building watching her concert this summer when she was here? I wasn't. My wife was down there on one of the, the closer rows. She was <laughs> okay. all there for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I was there. She put on a good show then. I'm sure she'd put on a good show if she was there on Sunday. But um, here's to hoping that Guile's prediction is correct. He's 38-35 Vikings and that mine is incorrect. I'm 27-25 Chiefs. I hope you're right, Giles. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun for the Vikings to get win number two against this Kansas City Chiefs team. It would be very momentous uh, with the Bears on the horizon, right? So you have a chance to pick up your third straight win by beating the Bears before you welcome the San Francisco 49ers to U.S. Bank Stadium a couple of weeks from now. So I knew that you'd be chock full of stuff, man. Awesome stuff from Giles today, as always. But today in particular was very good. Did we empty your notebook? Uh, honestly, the only other things that I have listed out here uh, are just a few stats to keep in mind when evaluating yeah. the Vikings. Because I had them. a lot of Vikings fans that think we shouldn't have won against the Panthers and we're a bad team. 
Yeah. We're currently the eighth best team, according to PFF. We're the fifth best offense. We're the fourth best pass blocking unit, second best run blocking unit. The area that does need a little bit of improvement, but is a, still a massive improvement from last year. We're still the 14th best defense so far this year, according to PFF. We're 15th in run defense. I think we'd be top 10 if it wasn't against uh, um, uh, the uh, the Eagles, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. We had some, some issues in that regard. We're sixth in coverage. We have a lot of really good things to like. We're third in passing yards. We're first in receptions. We're first in passing touchdowns. Um, we're seventh in pass or, uh, yards per pass attempt. We're 10th in yards per rush attempt we've been running and passing the ball very efficiently so if we can apply that to the kansas city chiefs i think we'll be just fine all right i love that i love that guys and it has to happen here over the next three weeks this cannot be you know the vikings are in big trouble if this is this chiefs bears niners stretches if it's one and one and two you're not mathematically dead here but you got to get this to two and one, whether it's the chiefs or the Niners that you beat, you got to beat one of those two, if not both. And you got to beat the bears, man, because if you're sitting there, you know, they're, they're one and three right now. If it's, you know, two and five is that's tough, man. That's tough to get over. So, um, honestly, with the way things are going, I talked about the energy and momentum and we've talked about the matchups with the way it's going. I think they got a better shot to beat Kansas city than San Francisco. I agree. Uh, you know? It would be great to go into Kansas or to, to San Francisco and be 500. That'd be great yeah. to be 500 going into the yeah. Niners game. So if you lose it, it's not a, a momentum killer necessarily. But yeah. I agree. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are an easier team. The 49ers, yeah. in my opinion, are the most complete team in the NFL. Oh, I know God, I've talked nasty. about how the Jets <laughs> are maybe the best roster. I think the 49ers are the most Ugh. complete. The they Niners have time are nasty. to play together. They're mm-hmm. tough on every single position. They have the best coach in football, in my opinion. Yeah. They are going to be a tough team to be. Yeah. Yep, that'll be a handful for the Vikings in a couple of weeks, but um, they got to take care of business here on Sunday against uh, the Chiefs, and we're hopeful that they will, and no matter what happens, we'll be here to talk about it when it's all said and done. So um, that'll do it for now. We've emptied Giles' notebook. Um, I'm all out of gas for takes. I'm excited to watch this game and then to react to uh, all of it with Giles and with the rest of you. So we thank you for listening to the Wobcast 2.0. We encourage you to go back and find old episodes and to like, subscribe, follow, and listen to future episodes. To do that, uh, go to wherever else you find your favorite podcasts and football content. It's Spotify, it's Apple Podcasts, it's Google Play, and, of course, we're also on YouTube. Uh, we're going to post some content to social media as well, so you can find us there uh, and join the conversation. Interact with us uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On behalf of Giles, and until next time, this episode of the Wobcast 2.0 is over. Skull Vikings on Sunday, and we'll talk to you next week.